This morning we're in the book of Ruth, reading from chapter 3. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you, so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman Boaz, with whose young women you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, all that you tell me, I will do. Faithful and true are the words of God. Our text today is an introduction story. It's a story about two people meeting. These two people are Ruth and Boaz. If you were here last week or maybe have read through Ruth before, you know that Ruth and Naomi and Ruth and Boaz are from different ethnic backgrounds or ethnic groups. Reverend Betsy was pointing out to us last week, not only are they from different groups, they're from groups that have animosity and hatred toward one another, seeing each other as enemies. Ruth is a Moabite person, Naomi, an Israelite. Naomi and her family were driven from Israel at one point because of famine. They go to Moab where they are able to survive, but then tragedy strikes all around. After Naomi and Elimelech, her husband, have had two sons and gone to Moab, the sons marry Moabite women, but then both the dad and the two sons die. All the males in the family are gone. Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws are left, in a sense, destitute and in a desperate situation. They live in a patriarchal society where not to be attached to a man or a male meant all kinds of terrible things could happen to you. And today, these women have all lost their husbands to death. While they're trying to figure out what to do at that point in desperate situations in Moab, Naomi hears that back in Israel around Bethlehem where she's from, the famine is over and food is available. She decides that she's going back home. She begins the journey. Her daughter-in-laws begin to go with her, but before very long she says to them, I don't know why you're going to go with me. I have no sons. I can provide you no security. I have no husband. I'm not sure what I'm going to find. You should go back to your own home and see if you can find safety and security there. One of the daughters-in-law thinks she is right and turns and heads home. But Ruth has a different perspective. We're not told why, but Ruth is determined to stay with Naomi. You may remember that passage, or if you were here last week, you heard it when Ruth says, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. 
May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well if even death parts me from you. Ruth is all in with Naomi. She is committed to stay with her, to be a part of her life, a part of her people, to worship her God. And so they have this commitment to one another as they journey back to Israel, yet they still need a male attachment for safety and security. So at the beginning of chapter 3, where we began to read, Naomi brings this up again as she says to Ruth, my daughter, I need to seek some security for you so that it may be well with you. Naomi's looking to the future, trying to figure out or discern how she can possibly help her daughter-in-law, who's made this bold commitment to be with her and to lodge with her, to be a part of her people, to worship her God, to stick with her and support her even unto death. So Naomi now back home surveying the situation. Notices Boaz. Boaz is a male relative through Naomi's late husband, Elimelech. She thinks maybe he is the one. She decides she should send Ruth, this young widow, to see him. She makes a recommendation that she clean herself up, put on her best clothes, put her best foot forward, so to speak, and go and present herself to Boaz. Now we've already been told, if you read through the whole book of Ruth back in chapter 2, that Boaz is a relative, a male relative, so in a patriarchal society he has some moral obligation to care for these two women. We're also told back in that chapter that Ruth has been going out to the fields not really a hired hand, but she's gleaning, so to speak, or picking up the scraps from the harvest. While she's doing that, Boaz notices her one day and asks about her, even gets to meet her. He's impressed with her strong commitment to her mother-in-law and taking care of her mother-in-law since they've lost all male attachments. But we're also learning as we read through the chapters before we get to chapter 3 that Boaz is a kind man. He is a man of means. He actually owns one of the fields where Ruth has been gleaning. He goes above and beyond what he has to do. He tells his men, make sure Ruth gets plenty of food. She's gleaning not only for herself, but for herself and her mother-in-law. Make sure she is safe and protected. He is caring, kind, and generous. And so the story progresses after this meeting where Naomi says to Ruth, I think he's the one. Go get to know him a little better. Throughout this whole story, Boaz is portrayed as a man of faith who does go beyond and above what he's required to do in terms of caring for Ruth and Naomi. If I can go back to our stewardship theme from last month, I would say that Boaz was a giver like a river. 
He has resources and assets, and he's willing to use them for the good of someone else. He was a generous man. He was kind and caring, thoughtful of others. And he decides in a patriarchal society where he has status and prominence and freedom to make choices and decisions to use all of that to provide safety and security for Ruth and Naomi. Now the strategy that Naomi uses kind of reminded me of what Mr. Rogers used to tell children if they find themselves in trouble or in a crisis, look for the helpers, go toward the light, look for who's already doing good and go to them because they're the kind of people that will be willing to help you. They're the kind of people you can trust. They're the kind of people you want to seek out when you find yourself in tough times or in a crisis. Boaz is a man who decides that he's going to give of himself to use his time and energy and resources for the good of someone else. He's just getting to know He's willing to help those who are in a crisis, who are vulnerable in their society. So I was reading over the text, made me realize that you all don't always get to see the ministry that happens throughout the week here, but virtually every week people come by or call the church who find themselves in a vulnerable situation, in a crisis need a little assistance to get by just last week a man called he wasn't able to work because of some health issues he had applied for unemployment but if you've ever helped someone or had to do that yourself you know it can be a long and bureaucratic process he was in the midst of all of that he's not working he has no income he's trying to take care of his family and he needed some assistance we were able to verify his story and work with him a little bit and get the, the support he needed, the assistance he needed to keep his utilities taken care of. We were help in a crisis. I think we were hope and light to someone where the darkness was closing in. Or there was the family that had a tree. You remember the windstorm back about Father's Day in June that created such havoc across town. One family, a tree, not only them, of course it's happened to a lot of people, but in this one situation, a tree fell on their house through the roof. They had insurance. It was going to help with the roof. They even had employment, but not enough to cover getting rid of the tree and getting that cleaned up so the insurance company and the roofers could come. They called their local United Methodist Church asking for assistance. They didn't have the cash reserves, but they called us and asked if we might help. Again, we were able to look at the situation and make some decisions, work with them to find someone who would come and remove the tree, and we were able to cover the cost of that for them. Again, I think we were a bit of hope, a morsel of help, a little bit of helping them take a step toward security and safety and an inhabitable 
house becoming habitable once again. So often people just need a little assistance to take the next step or to get through the crisis. Just someone who has some resources and has some access who's willing to step out in faith and help. This is your church putting Christ's love in action through kindness and generosity, compassion, and understanding. You don't get to see it every week, but you are a part of it as you are a part of this church. You're helping people who are in trouble, who are in crisis, or in a struggle. And I don't think it's too strong to say that we're the face of Christ in some of those situations to those persons, that we really are a beacon of light, that we really are sometimes their only hope in that situation, and we're able to provide a sense of security as they walk through those dark days. It's hard to predict what's going to happen to a family in crisis or an individual who's in a difficult situation. We're able to do a little bit. I hope that we're always a blessing to them and give them a sense that God cares about them and that God is a God of blessing who cares about their welfare. Now, Back to our story, chapter 4, we sort of get to hear the rest of the story, if you will. We're told what happens between Ruth and Boaz in verse 13 in chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive and she bore a son. So they receive a blessing from this union, even though he's extending himself to help them out. But then in verse 17, we're told why this book of Ruth became so important in the history of Israel. They named the son that was born Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David, King David. The person becomes the premier leader for the Jewish people during his lifetime, a man of God, we're told in the Scriptures. Ruth, a foreigner... A Moabite woman becomes the great-grandmother of the preeminent leader of the Jewish people when she is the bride of Boaz. But not only that, that puts her in the lineage of Jesus according to the scriptures. So now we have a person who was seen as an outsider, probably even an enemy, who's become integral or pivotal to the work of God in the world. Now, I doubt the day that Ruth came walking back into Bethlehem that anybody said, oh my, here comes the person that God's going to work through and do a mighty good thing for the world. And yet that's exactly what happened. It's hard to predict what's going to happen in the future or how God is going to be working in a person's life. We say God works in mysterious ways. What might God be doing in your life? This very moment, this very week, 
which you have no idea what the implications for good might be in the future. And yet God indeed is at work. May we have eyes to see, to see people beyond labels and stereotypes and look for where God may be at work in our very midst. Amen. And thanks be to God.